0: This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network.
1: Welcome in, everybody. It is Kenny and Heilprin. It is a podcast special on this very fine Tuesday. Uh, no live show. We will be back live on Thursday night. But I'm Ben Kenny. Thrilled to be with you on a on a news-packed day, a day that I've looked forward to since it's began. For a very specific story, I will get to in a second. That is Zach Heilprin. Hello, Zach.
0: Hello, Benjamin.
1: Uh, how are you? Are you are you chomping at the bit to watch some watch some football without tackling? What do you mean, spring ball? Or is there a lot of tackling. In I was like, ball?
0: what do What are you talking about? The Pro Bowl was this past weekend. Um, no, I uh, <laughs> I, yes, we, gosh, five six weeks away. Still from uh, spring ball, but that's a long time. It feels like a long time, and yet, I mean, that may just because be because of how the basketball team is playing. Usually, you know, February when the team is playing well, for fans probably like flies by, and then you're right there. It's March Madness. It doesn't. It's not flying by right now. It's not flying by. Uh, the first week of February is taking forever, and I imagine the rest of February is going to take forever as well.
1: Yeah, the not, not to be a doubter. Counter- not to be a doubter. Oh, I'll doubt. I, I'm fine. Doubting um, the the Greg guard conversation has continued and uh, you know what? I'll be a good podcast host here. I'm going to outline what we're going to talk about today. Like mm. a professional. Mm. We'll touch on the Greg guard thing at the end, but I just have a general thought having hosted radio this week and seeing what the discourse has become. So that's coming up later. We will talk about returning production for this Wisconsin team, football team heading into the spring, another cool hype video as well. I will note social media teams killing it. We will talk about the news that Chase Wolf is no longer with the program that coming out yesterday. Uh, but before we get to the big story of the day that uh, should lead our show and will lead our show, if you're it's listening on podcast, our
0: show,
1: <laughs> say it again. <laughs> it's not going to lead our show though. Oh, it is. Uh, no, the big story. It's separate from those three. Uh, I'm keeping the suspense going. Okay. We'll be live Thursday, 5 to 6, Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. If you missed our recent episodes there with Skylar Bell and with Daryl Peterson, go check that out. They both then became Dudes of the Week on Brady Collins, the Coach Twitter. So are we saying there's a Kenny and Heilprin bump with the team? Maybe. Hard to say. Early indications are that there's a there's definitely a helping force there if you and, come on and, the show.
0: And our other two guys we've had out there, Jack Nelson. Tatter Mortalini, also dudes of the week at uh, through these first two weeks. The
1: brand is strong, I'll very. say. Or if there are players out there that listen to this show that want to <laughs> become a dude of the week, just say it. more than
0: yeah, more than happy to have you
1: out. Monks Bar and Grill five to six Thursday. And uh, again, if you're listening on podcast, leave a review. Follow the show on Twitter at Kenny underscore Heilprin. If you have stuff you want us to discuss, that is a very good place to reach us. Zach, 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 I smiled yesterday when I got home. Do you want to know why? Well, I know why, but you can uh, let all the masses know. (sighs) A tweet from one Stuart Mandel, which was then shared by many others. He is a big, he's the editor of The Athletic, college football writer. It is a picture of a new contract for one Iowa offensive coordinator, Brian Ferentz. The contract reads, University of Iowa offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Brian Ferentz has signed an amended contract for the 2023 season with financial incentives based on designated performance objectives. And then a bunch of official BS that I don't care about. It goes on to say the contract amendments include a salary of $850,000 effective February 1st, 2023. I, I can't can't get through this without laughing. The designated performance objectives for the 2023 season include an average of at least 25 points per game and a minimum of seven wins, including the regular season and a bowl game. It is then noted that if he reaches these thresholds, as in Iowa goes seven and six and averages 25 points per game, he gets in a hundred thousand dollar bonus and a new two year contract. Ridiculous. Zach, Your thoughts.
0: No, uh, this is your thing. I'm going to let you go ahead and and say it because I look the dude. There was no chance in your mind that he was going to be back because there's no chance that Cade McNamara is ever going to go play for uh, Brian Ferenc. And it appears he did absolutely everything possible, not or I did everything possible to still be there. I mean, an amended contract putting in things that if you do not do this, if you do not score 25 points a game, which I think would have been like what? 80th? 90th in the country, eighty sixth, you're fired. That's how desperate uh, he wanted to be to stay there and how desperate Kirk Ferentz was to not wanting to have to fire his, his son. But this is your thing, man. You're the one that said you're more excited for Brian Ferentz being back than you are for Luke Fickle. <laughs> so you go ahead and give me your take. Uh, I'm sure you've been sitting on it. I, mean, you, I shouldn't say you've probably been on, you've been on air for the last couple of days. So you maybe were able to get it out there, but I don't think anybody here maybe knows how you feel about it.
1: Well, in regards to my excitement for him returning compared to Luke fickle, no comment. That's as far yeah. as I'll go. When it comes yeah, to so that, that's yeah. Uh, we know what no comments mean these days. <laughs> um, I like it should be noted that last year when they were setting records for the worst offense known in human history, they were doing so without all their top receivers and their line was all hurt and they just didn't have a D1 team there because like, they had one scholarship receiver for the first month of the year. So there were other things at play last year that made it especially bad, but the funniest part of all this, for me at least, was to watch the Iowa fan reaction and the look when Scott Docterman, uh, Iowa, covers Iowa for the Athletic, tweeted it out. He tweeted it out with a, with a clause at the bottom asking people please not to break things when they read his article. It, uh, I was wrong, clearly, that Kane McNamara would transfer there uh, and uh, Ferentz would be back. I didn't think it was possible. I don't think they'll possibly be as bad as last year, but it is objectively hilarious that you are a supposedly really solid level D1 college football program that has had a lot of success for the last 20-whatever years under Kirk Ferentz, and there is a specific performance uh, clause in your offensive coordinator's contract where when they play Nebraska to finish the year in Lincoln and they're averaging 24.2 points per game America's tuning into the game to see if they get 26 to see if Brian Ferencz gets fired it is it it's somewhat ridiculous at, at least hilarious to me that th- there's a number on this they put a number they said you have to average this amount of points to keep your job and it's not a very high bar. <laughs> well, I mean, compared to the last two years, it is.
0: Uh, when you average 17 last year, they averaged 23, I think, the year before. One was 99th in the country. The other was, what, 117th or something like that. Uh, it is a little bit of a bar that you have to hit. That 17 doesn't even include – I mean, the 17 <laughs> includes what they did on defense and what they did is, on special which teams. Which is amazing. That's the which best they, part it's a big number. Do you remember, do you remember in 2021 when we started taking uh, touchdowns off the defensive numbers for Wisconsin, because it was the offense or the special teams that had given it up? Like if you took the, like, like Wisconsin's scoring defense in 2021 would have been maybe number one or number two, but they were a little bit further down because of all the pick sixes that Grant Mertz threw and the, the um, kick returns that, that the special teams gave up. Otherwise, I mean, they, they finished like 10th and it would have been like two or three. That's kind of what, I mean, take away the defensive touchdowns and that type of stuff, and that 17 looks even worse. It's, it's, a, it's a smaller number. And yet, they're going to count it for them next year. Special teams and defensive touchdowns going to count toward Brian Ferencz keeping his job. So, hey, Phil, what, what what's his name? Phil, um, what's the Parker. defense coordinator's name? Phil Parker. You have a chance to either, I mean, if I'm Phil Parker. LeVar Woods, too. Yeah, I, I'm – you're pretty set in your job, right? Like, you're not you're not going to give that job – you're not going to lose that job off of one year. But I'm telling my guys to go out of bounds or go down just to get Brian France fired so you can get a <laughs> competent special team – or a competent offensive coordinator in, the, in there the following year. If I'm Phil Parker – Don't I'm score. Ho-
1: I, I'm hoping my dad gets hired as head coach somehow so I just will never <laughs> get fired. That uh, too. I mean – it is said in the contract that if he doesn't hit 25 points per game, he'll get fired. There is not a more interesting storyline in college football than tracking how many points Iowa scores a game. I've never seen something like this. Where's a very specific number. If he hits it, he could keep his job and he will, the contract will be terminated if he does not hit this threshold. Uh, some, some funny angles to this. Do you know the combined average points per game allowed by the teams on Iowa's schedule from last season. So things will be different. But if you look at all of the teams from last year that they're going to play next year, how many points they gave up, you know that average of points per game? Do you think I know that average? No, it is no, 24.52. That's pretty good. So we're... So do you think...
0: I They they totally looked at that. We they, are, totally, they totally looked at that to set that contract.
1: We are teetering on the edge uh, big time there. Do you, uh, I saw this too. Do you know what Iowa's record last year would have been if they scored 25 points in every game? Would have been like
0: 10 and two or nine
1: and three? 11 and two. 11 and two. Or It's like the bar is just so, so average. Yet with that program, what we've seen is that it can work. Uh, What a story. I, I cannot wait to watch this team. And again, they'll be better. Like they'll have better players out there and a better quarterback and what seemed to be a more consistent stable of wide receivers. I just, and, more ex- I,
0: and a more experienced offensive line.
1: Definitely. I'm going to come on this show though, every single week and tell you what I was running point total is because it is like, I, I talk about SP plus a lot, right. And you can roll your eyes, but Wisconsin is always maybe overvalued by it because of the premium it puts on defense. You go back to 2021, and they were in the top five, six in, the, in that metric because of how dominant the defense was. And as you said, the offense just got in the way. I wonder how average Iowa's offense has to be to not completely ruin when the defense is great. Because they were like 80 or 90 last year, and yet that was a, like that was a special teams and defense that probably deserved to definitely win the West, maybe even compete. With Michigan out there. If the offense wasn't completely inept. So, mm, yeah. uh, ne- nepotism for the win. We will nepotism say. Nepotism
0: for the win. Yep. It is.
1: The the people. I think some out there are. Realizing it now. What Iowa football is. Where it's just a, a family business. And when a family member doesn't really perform. There's no consequences for it. Or I guess there's this contract. But no, no job changes. Well, I, I'm seeing kinda, it start, starting to circulate more and more. Well, I kind of think that's what
0: a lot of people thought Wisconsin football was. Now, it wasn't necessarily son to or father to son, but it was we've done it this way for so long. Barry Alvarez, Badgers, this is how it's going to be. This is how we're going to do it. That's how we're going to do it forever. It's worked. Why would we change it? Type of thing. And they changed it pretty significantly. So just because it's like that at Iowa this year, no guarantee it's going to be like that next year. I I mean especially if Wisconsin if Wisconsin does what some of us think that they can do this year, it's going to and Iowa struggles again especially offensively, it's going to be very very difficult in my mind for the Iowa leadership to continue to go down the path that they are. Now it could be totally, you know, opposite, right? Like Wisconsin could flounder and be like, "All right, well, see what happens when they go away from what uh, had worked for 30 years. Let's not do that. And uh, maybe they, they stay the course, but if Wisconsin blows up and Iowa does not do what um, they're supposed to on offense, which apparently score at least 25 points a game, (laughs) significant change you would think would be coming in Iowa city.
1: That's interesting. Wisconsin could be what Iowa sees as the blueprint because as we've discussed, a lot of what they're doing is to not, be kind of stuck like Iowa's stuck, or like, I guess, Wisconsin, you could argue stuck. was stuck in the past. Yeah.
0: And look, it, it hasn't worked yet.
1: No. We no, have no idea. I would idea. say it definitely it raises the ceiling, and we don't know what the floor is yet. Where I would argue that Iowa has a very set ceiling and floor, and they're pretty close to each other, and they're not spectacular, but it's solid. It, it, it's not bad by any means. Whereas I mean, really Wisconsin... Wisconsin now has a ceiling that is rising and rising and looks very promising. And we don't know what the floor is yet. I mean, I was number two in the country two years ago. Oh, that was, they they were fluffed up. They weren't good. They didn't beat anybody. They came to Madison and they were seven point dogs. as the number eight team in the country. That was stupid. I know. know. Uh, And then students rushed the field, which by the way is an abomination.
0: It was a little bit of a joke,
1: Um, but Uh, yes, uh,
0: like, (laughs) They I don't know what their ceiling is, but the way that they play, especially offensively, but them, like Wisconsin, if they don't have a good quarterback, it just doesn't matter. Like, if they have a good quarterback, we saw when they had a good quarterback some of the offensive things that they can do. They can score in the 30s. They can score in the mid-30s. But they didn't have the quarterback. Cade McNamara, a rather significant upgrade, you would say, that quarterback, and Wisconsin's hoping at the same thing, though obviously Wisconsin just changing absolutely everything. Um, going full-on change in, in Iowa, kind of taking steps there with, with the addition of McNamara.
1: Do you think Cade McNamara is the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten West entering next season? Accomplishment-wise, he probably is number one,
0: isn't he? Him or, him or Mordecai? I mean, leading uh, Michigan, and I know a lot went into that. They had a very, very good defense, but leading them to the Big Ten title in 2021? I feel like that's a pretty big accomplishment. Um, just so happened that J.J. McCarthy, a five-star kid, was right behind him. Um, in terms of production, Mordecai's tough to beat, obviously. 77 touchdowns, or 72 touchdowns in two years. It's very, very difficult to beat, production-wise. I look at that entire division and say, gosh, nearly everybody upgraded over last year. Um, we'll see what happens at uh, at Illinois, but other than Northwestern,
1: that, well, Ugh.
0: and Northwestern, and then Purdue, obviously with um, with Hudson Card. I know you're a big Hudson Card guy, but what was there before was pretty good. Your guy AOC. So, but you think about last year, AOC was like the, the headliner here, and it was every, and everybody else was just okay, whatever. And then we found out Tommy DeVito's okay, but this year you have names that have had some production and some. Success other places now at the top leading some of these teams. So I think the Big Ten West, while it's not it's not exactly the Pac-12, it's not nearly as bad quarterback wise as it has been in recent years.
1: I think I agree with that. And this is coming from somebody that after week zero of last year, before the Badgers played a game, I wondered if the Big Ten West had good quarterbacks. And I named Ryan Holinsky in that group. And as time went on, that proved to not be true. Now, I don't just think to, it
0: was... He just got to play Nebraska.
1: Right. I remember what I watched. It was more so Nebraska than it was Holinsky. But that'll happen when Nebraska plays in week zero and you draw sweeping conclusions. All right. So uh, th- there's your good 15 minutes on Brian Ferentz in Iowa. And we probably won't talk about them until we get into season preview stuff. The Wisconsin-centric large story. Okay. Before we do this, before we do this. Yeah. Um ahead.
0: Are we going to ask Brian Frent uh, uh, Kirk Ferentz about this at Media Day?
1: About why his son has a job, or about if there's an offensive number? Oh, I want to ask him this way. I want to be like, "Hey, Kirk, is there a when you set goals for this season, is there is there an offensive average in terms of points per <laughs> game that you're really shooting for?" <laughs> I re- hey, how many is- points do you think your defense needs to score a game to keep your son employed?
0: <laughs> uh, how many kick returns for touchdowns do you need? How many block punts uh return for touchdown do you need um to get this this number and, and get there so you can have your son still have a job um and he's not having to move back home with you
1: uh yeah are you going to redirect some of your son's salary to Cooper degene when he houses like seven kickoffs next year yeah the yeah right The problem is I like Kirk Ferentz. um
0: I love he's, Kirk Fair. He's always he's always been every time I've asked him beyond, he said yes, like Big Ten Media Days. And that is, as you know, as you found out last year, that is not a guarantee. Um, some people will say no and no and no and no before you finally get a yes. Um, Brett Bielma, how Brett? you doing? Brett Bielma, how you doing? Well, he didn't so, say
1: no the first time, his athletic director did. Yeah. Right. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Josh Whitman said no. And then he's like, who the hell are you? Um, But that's it. That doesn't happen all the time. And Kirk Ferentz is always willing to sit down and talk. So uh, I think I've talked to him almost every year I've been there. And uh, I I like it. And in Iowa and Wisconsin, because they were so similar for so long, um, it kind of made sense. But yeah, I so it'd be very hard to disrespect him right to his face like that. So I probably wouldn't do it, but I would want to.
1: I think if we hit some softballs first and it's clear that it's a lighthearted joking setting I would <laughs> uh, I would love to th- just give me give me a number on offense that you want to strive to score a game and I want to see if he says 25. <laughs> sure 25.1 and yeah, 25.
0: 25. That should have I, wonder
1: been. Should there, I wonder if there I wonder if there are clauses in there of what if it's like 24.98 Or what if If you round up? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How do we deal with those situations? What if they're a missed extra point away? What if Brian Ferentz's job status comes down to the kicker making a 40-yard field goal? Mm. Oh, and the better question is, what if they're nine points short of keeping Brian Ferentz's job and Nebraska's up like 40-3? to And they just start kicking field goals. He's like, <laughs> I, I need these points. I need them. Need those points. Uh, uh, yeah. I we'll can't see. wait. That's going to yeah. be so much fun. All right. There's Iowa talk. There's Brian Farron's talk. Chase Wolf, Jesse Temple of The Athletic put out an article yesterday uh, breaking the news that Chase Wolf is no longer with the Wisconsin football program. That is after he had uh, talked about his plans to return after the bowl game. There are a lot of details in the article. I urge everyone to go read it, including the fact that Wolf uh, felt like where he was guaranteed a chance to compete for the starting job early on uh, during Fickle's tenure. And then the Mordecai situation, he comes to Wisconsin and the messaging became then that Mordecai is the starter and that Wolf would not be competing for the starting job, which he didn't seem thrilled by reading through the piece and now announces that he is no longer with the program. Uh, Zach, first I ask Big Picture, what do you think? Yeah,
0: so... Um, big Picture, I think people will forget about this in a couple days. I <laughs> I don't think it's... It's not a big story. Um, it's only big because somebody went on the... Uh, I shouldn't say went on the record, but... Um, Gave some gave some quotes that made it look made Wisconsin um, look a little bad because it it said originally we're we're taking two to three quarterbacks out of the portal, but you'll have a chance to compete. And a few weeks later, after those quarterbacks turned into Nick Evers, Braden Locke, but most importantly Tanner Mordecai, the opportunity to compete is gone. That said, Chase Wolf in a competition ain't winning that job. You know, what I mean, like it's, it, but I think there's two different things here. There's does he have a chance to win the job with, uh, against Tanner Mordecai? No. Does he deserve the opportunity to compete for that starting job? When you because that's what you told him, I kind of think yes, but it's irrelevant. Um, you knew as soon as Tanner Mordecai got here, it was there was not going to be a competition, and it's why I probably wouldn't have said probably wouldn't have told. Chase, that you know, you have a chance to compete. Um, we're going to bring in guys and we'll see what it looks like in a few weeks. Um, there's there's just no guarantees, but they also all obviously had no idea that Tanner Mordecai was going to be there. Like, if it was Nick Evers and Braden Locke and Chase Wolf and Miles Burkett, it might be a little bit different, right? Um, it might be a little different. He might be able to compete in that, in that, but Tanner Mordecai was going to the NFL two days before he signed, before he committed to Wisconsin. So it is a little bit different. I understand where some of the anger would be from Chase's side, but I also understand it from Wisconsin's side. Is things changed, and it was pretty obvious once Tanner Mordecai was in the bucket, he was the guy, and he's going to be the guy. And I don't think this is surprises anybody. We we heard from Skyler last week that it's you know Tanner's the old guy, and he's that guy, and the others are kind of young. But you know i can't wait to get to Spring Ball to work with all of them, but. Tanner's
1: kind of the guy. I agree. I think it's pretty clear to me what happened or what the timeline could have been. And to me, overall, this feels like what happens when you have a new coach come in to a program that has a lot of guys established and a lot of guys returning. We'll talk about returning production in a bit, but they have most of last year's team coming back. So it's not as if he's Deion Sanders and he just gutted the entire program but he's coming into a somewhat established place and he clearly had a plan for the, for the quarterback room. And when Wolf said he, he wanted to return, that was what, after they landed Evers, correct? It was, it was, yes. So at that point, they have aspirations for the quarterback room. Cause remember we had heard Brendan Armstrong connected to Wisconsin. Then they're clearly still going after guys and going after a vet specifically to come in for one season. But at that point, If it's Brennan Armstrong that comes in, I could still see, okay, uh, you don't need to guarantee Brennan Armstrong the job, I guess. He isn't of the stature that Mordecai is, where if Armstrong comes in and it's Evers and Armstrong and Wolf, you say, okay, you can compete for it. But then information changed. Then they go forward and Locke commits. But more importantly, when Tanner Mordecai says he wants to come to Wisconsin and is not going to the NFL draft, that's a situation to me where you guarantee him the starting job. I don't think Tanner Mordecai comes to Wisconsin and willingly foregoes going to the draft unless he has guarantees in there where he's told, okay, you're the starter. They're young guys. They'll be the starter in the future, but this is your job. So as long as it feels like the messaging on that was pretty clear and everyone, everyone saw why and saw how it happened. And then I guess it's kind of, it's unfortunate to be honest, where, you maybe did say this in the past, but as information changed and as you continued to build the room and build the roster, this is just something that had to happen. So it's I, the question is, do you think Fickle handled this poorly? And I would answer that and say, I, I don't know what else you could do when you're rebuilding a program and bringing guys in and trying to set yourself up best for this year and into the future. These situations, I think, are naturally going to happen. And it's unfortunate, but it's, it comes with the territory. Like If you have all new faces coming in, there are people that, not as if he, he was usurped in any way, like he wasn't the starter. It's just a question of compete or not compete. But as you said, I don't think he would win it anyway. Like there were chances to win the job in the past when Graham Mertz was not playing great football and he couldn't do it then. So.
0: I think it'd also be said that it, there wasn't much of a competition either there. Like it's not like they... I mean, it was, I can't remember the last time it was open. It was always Graham Mertz. It wasn't ever going to be Chase Wolf. Um, I think it shouldn't have been either. I, I watched Chase a lot in practice. He had his good days and he had his bad days. He was just never consistent enough. And we saw that in the games. But there's a difference between thinking you have a chance to be the starter and actually being given the chance to be the starter. Um, and I don't think anybody thought, as I said before, Chase was ever going to be the starter, but they told him he would be able to compete. And a few weeks later, he wasn't. So, um, that's what it is. And things change. And I have, you know, I don't feel bad for chase. He got to play football for five years. He got uh, to do it for free. Um, a lot of it backing up guys, but, um, it's, if he wants to go play somewhere else, more power to him, it was only like, what, a couple of weeks, three weeks, maybe. um, between saying he could compete and he couldn't. I mean, this has been known for almost a month now that he wasn't going to be around. We just now got the story. So there's a, it's unfortunate. I'll say that. It's unfortunate, but it's also something that no one's going to remember in about two days.
1: I agree with that part of it. Do you think Fickle could have handled this better? Or do you just think it's a it comes with the territory?
0: I I mean, the only thing is, he said they were bringing two to three guys in they brought two to three guys in. He said that they were going to. This uh, let's also be fair about this. This is this comes from what appears to be Chase's side of things, right now. Chase was uh, declined to comment. Wisconsin declined uh, declined to comment. But the the quotes within the story seem to paint it from Chase's side. So that we know that side of it. We don't know what Wisconsin told him in regards to whether, being a starter or not. We don't know this. So we're we're just taking it based on what he said. But if that's if that's what they said. And th- three weeks later, it had changed. It happens. Um I don't know how you handle it better other than to say, "You know, uh, you know we're bringing guys in, and we'll see how it plays out and and maybe you maybe you'll have a shot. But anybody realistic and high uh, college quarterbacks probably aren't the greatest people in high school or college athletes probably aren't the greatest people to ask about realistic expectations, but um he wasn't going to be the starter. He had five years to do it. He
1: never did. Six year wasn't going to be it. And when you look at when Tanner Mordecai committed, there were still weeks left in the portal window where this, yeah, I, I, I maybe he's Braden... just not playing anymore. I don't know. To me, it felt like he came back in general to I'd be a vet in the room. Maybe if he wanted to coach, get a jump start on it, but to finish whatever degree, it didn't ever Go feel on. like Actually, something where he could have realistically won a job. Well, the,
0: the thing is, I mean, but again, what did I just say? How real? Well, you're you're younger, youngish, but you never played college sports, Uh, never got a scholarship to anywhere. You were a fantastic, I understand, high school basketball player. He played with baseball, an NBA player. Uh, oh, sorry. Whatever.
1: Well, I was trash at basketball. I just made the team.
0: Whatever. Um, And so. Guys, and, and it's and I. Obviously never did either, but being around these guys, it's not always the most realistic group of people like their, their expectations because they were the greatest thing at their high school and in their town, they are always going to make it. And so realistic expectations for, for them aren't realistic expectations for most people. So I do right. Iowa
1: thinks Brian Ferentz can score 25 points a game. I know it's
0: unrealistic expectations. Even Gary Barta has some unrealistic expectations, but you know, you just, the, the unrealistic expectations are also what drive people to be great, right? Like there are some that may seem like unrealistic expectations and then they go and turn things uh, just like on their head. And it's, it's like a JJ Watts situation going from a Mac tight end to a pro football hall of fame, defensive end though. Like when people, when he's talking about, you know, going to the NFL and all that stuff, when he's a tight end at central Michigan no one's everyone's looking at him like you have those are unrealistic expectations but that's just how some people are and i'm not saying that's what chase was but or anybody was but there are there are guys that think they're much better than they actually are and um
1: some are finding out they are who they are so where does this leave us now they need to get to 85 i don't know what number they're at i think you I believe, have it tracked. well no i i don't the the last time
0: i checked um, it gotcha. was at 90, 91. Um, and so I guess this makes 90. We don't know. I mean, it took a month for this to get out. Uh, so may- maybe there are others that, uh, are also not with the team. Um, but yeah, I, uh, the thing is they don't have to be down there until the guys show up in the summer. And we, we know that there's going to be movement in the portal the portal opens May 1st to the 15th. Whoever isn't getting playing time in the spring, Uh, Whether it's um, intentional on Wisconsin's part to say, hey, time to move on, or they're just not where they need to be, Uh, they're not getting the playing time that they think they should, we'll hit the portal and uh, scholarships will open up. And I'm sure Wisconsin will keep their hand in the portal as well, potentially bring guys the other way. But if it comes down to it, Luke Fickle can say, yeah, um, you can leave. Like he can take scholarships away from guys as a new coach, he can do that, um, kind of like what Deion Sanders did to Colorado. I don't think it'll come to that, and it's based based on this Chase Wolf situation. I don't think they want to do that. Um, they certainly don't want that that type of narrative around the program. So I I think I think it'll all work itself out. It always does, and um, there will be guys, and and Chase may have been one of those guys that would have moved on
1: before After not we get... Winning-
0: After not winning the job.
1: Yeah, I see that. I'm with you. I agree. It it comes with the territory. And I do think in however many weeks it won't be remembered. I think those that follow everything closely will file this away or especially, I guess look at this scenario as we go past spring ball and there might be more instances of this to come. And it's kind of like, it's not the best situation with a coach coming in and maybe having to To bring a roster down to a number but it is what it is in college football when you have a coach take over a program did you see the new hype video on on wisconsin's twitter account yes it made me want to run through a brick wall um
0: (laughs) really really well done i don't mean to be that guy um really really well done that's what i was gonna say it's just it's well done uh the producing work is is unbelievable they got some dudes up in there they got some dudes uh in that video department um jerry and a couple and eric they got a couple of really talented guys in that room and i'm not naming everybody here but uh a lot of talent in that room a lot of really good stuff from the social media team just in general um and uh yeah it's a great video great video it's there to sell tickets that's what it's there that's what it's there for i don't know if you saw the link on the on the tweet it was a ticket. It was a link to tickets. So, yeah, hype video. Yeah, buy tickets, please. Yes, video.
1: I did not click on the link, but but you I am, but you saw it. I didn't see if there was or not. I just saw the video and watched okay. it. But maybe there's. I, I
0: don't want to be. I, I, gosh, I'm being that guy right now.
1: I don't want to be that guy. Um, I'm that guy. Come on now. Yeah. I again. <laughs> I can't. That's like I, the collective, I, Zach. That's I, like when the collective asks for money. And it's like, okay, hey everybody, it's the transfer portal season, and we have to pay these kids. Can you, uh, can you donate, please? <laughs> so we had that. Uh, we had Jeff Pytrowski earned his shirt. Zach,
0: he did. So we, do you remember we asked Darrell Peterson if he would have a role in it, whether he would have a say, in whether uh, he would get to, ch- you know, decide who gets their shirt and who doesn't? And it turns out he did because that was, uh, I think, it was Brady Collins saying, hey, DP, got somebody in your group that earned a shirt. So, yeah, they got an opportunity to say who gets uh, the shirt, and Jeff Petrowski the first one in.
1: Cool. 12-0. 12-0. 15-0, according to Braylon Allen. What did, what did Jesse say? I saw you tweet, and I haven't been able to listen to the camp yet, but everybody go listen to that, their new episode as well. Haven't been able to listen today for obvious reasons. What did he say is the record? what for wisconsin
0: oh uh i locked he locked in at 10 and 2 ah he, okay. he locked in it at, at 10 and 2 um but again he jumps all over the place um so it's just it's kind of ridiculous um i think he said he may be even 11 and 1 but it'll be it'll go from eleven and one down to eight and four, maybe seven and five on a bad day of spring ball, and then you know it'll it'll <laughs> meander its way, and then we'll maybe we'll get another one locked in at the uh, at the end of August, only for him to then change it in his official prediction on the athletic. So he is a um, flip flopping son
1: of a bitch. He's yeah, he's king flopper. Yeah, he which... did, he, he he does his thing. Listen, I'm known to flip flop at times, but yep. That's only that's not necessarily time restrictive where like I'll be on this show and say my record and then I'll be on another show or score specifically. I'll be on uh, the morning show and say a different score for the game. But I will proudly say that that is different than season long records. I tend to be consistent there. Um, yeah, so- you, only,
0: yeah, you, you only you only change scores for three different things that you do on a weekly basis. Yeah, so, I got you. Yeah. Because well, because one, no because one of them one of them is like I think Wisconsin is going to do this but I'm going to pick this score because if I do this then Wisconsin will play well and so that's what I'm yep. going to do
1: exactly yeah. and yeah. sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work but I'm right like I was yeah. with the Iowa game last year didn't See, feel good can, that's what you're saying like you can't
0: lose right because either oh no you're I can't right, lose no no either you're right about the score and. I won or Wisconsin wins. And you're like, I win still.
1: This is too complicated. I've been on radio since six. Do you you understand what I'm
0: saying? Do you understand what I'm saying or no?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I I'll have to go home and, and look it up and research and get back to you. Hard to say. Okay. So before we get out of here, Bill Connolly of ESPN, Zach put out his returning production for the 2023 season. Every team and where they rank, what percentage production they return offensively, defensively, and it does include transfers weighed in. And This is an important segment of the offseason because we start thinking about spring rosters and everything and where teams could rank. Now, I will note Wisconsin last year ranked numbers 85 in the country, 61%. And obviously, there is... A not direct, but there is somewhat of a correlation between the more guys, the more production you bring back, the better you are the next year. The 2021 defense brought a lot of guys back. We know how how great it was. It's not direct. You know, if you return this number, you'll be this good, but it's something to help start to think about which teams could be good next season. So going into last year, 61% returning production. We know how much the defense lost uh, and number 85 overall in the nation. This year, Zach, out of all the teams in the Big Ten, they rank number three in terms of returning production, including transfers, number 27 overall in the country, 72%. They are number 30 in terms of offense, number 48 in terms of defense. So uh, I think this plays in when we think about uh, what maybe not what to expect this spring, but what Overall, outlook is we're still far away, but as we approach, we'll start to formulate our opinions on the position groups and on the units and on the team as a whole. I think it's of note that when you look across the Big Ten, like Michigan's number one, they return everybody. J.J. McCarthy's really good. Rutgers is two, but some of the production they return is not great production. If you've watched Rutgers play, then Wisconsin's three. You have Nebraska at four, and that's a total. A lot of that's transfers. That's a total crapshoot in terms of whether they'll be good under Matt rule in his first year. You have Indiana at five and they've been struggling. You have Michigan state at six. Like you notice how some of the big time teams like Ohio state who sits at seven, they are not returning as much. They lose Stroud. They lose a lot of talented pieces. And then even a team I love going to next year in Penn state does lose a lot off the defense. They rank eighth in the big 10 but in the West, it's uh, w- Wisconsin is the easy number one in terms of what they returned from last year, which I guess I sit back and my general takeaway today on February 7th is I am very pleasantly surprised at how, how much this roster stayed together and how much Fickle or whoever the new coach was going to be, how much they were able to return off last year's team and then even build on. it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the transfers help, right? When you look at especially offense. Um, because that's included in there, correct?
1: Yes, correct.
0: Yeah. So Tanner Mordecai, having been Tanner Mordecai, pretty significant. Your leading rusher, back. Your second leading rusher, back. Your top three pass catchers, back. Plus, you add a guy in Bryson Green, did some things at Oklahoma State. Um, starters, all, I don't, do they count offensive line production in there? I don't know how you would count that, but. It snaps. Okay, snaps. Well, everyone, everyone back except for one guy. So, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense offensively. Um, you return pretty much everybody. And, and defensively, in production-wise, that uh, losing Keanu and losing uh, Nick Kirby are hu- huge in the stat department, for sure. Um, and certainly John Torchio. But then everyone else, that's why this... Again, this that's why this year... And they needed to do it transfer portal-wise because they lost some guys and, and they're, it's a different system and all that stuff. But the returning guys no matter who the coach is going to be 2023 was always the year you pointed to and said gosh i think they can make a run this year this could be like 2017 where you know they have a relatively manageable schedule to go along with uh, a very upper class laden team and it would could potentially result in a chance in a chance to win the west and then maybe win the big 10 and get to the playoff That was always, I think, what a lot of people thought 2023 was going to be. Now, obviously, what happened last year completely maybe threw some of that out the window, but a lot of those guys are still here that people were very excited about last year and a new system and everything like that. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I'm not overly surprised that they returned that much. We knew what was coming back, and I think they have a chance to be good for that reason. Um, The only problem is it's the unknown of – Is it going to hit right away? Is it going to work the way it needs to? I'm talking about the offense. And what does the defense do and look like with a new coordinator um, and perhaps a little bit new scheme? There's the unknowns that are thrown into the returning production.
1: Otherwise, feel pretty good about it. I'm impressed, I'll say, compared to where we were when Paul Christ was fired. If you had told me the roster would look like this, Sitting in early February, I would be somewhat surprised, honestly, and very impressed that it's all gone the way that it's gone. Here's a little Big Ten West way too early preview. The Mm -hmm. bottom four teams in the Big Ten in returning production in order, meaning the lowest and then on to the fourth lowest. The lowest in the conference, Northwestern. They might have another struggle of a season. Number 13, the Iowa Hawkeyes. They lose some absolute studs on that defensive line. But obviously there are upgrades with the quarterback and tight end. So again, this does not mean close to everything, but it's an early baseline to go on. How do they,
0: how do they decide with, with like Cade McNamara, who barely played last year, but obviously had a ton of experience the previous year?
1: I don't know exactly. Probably goes back into the previous year when he did start. Okay. I don't know exactly. Um, mm. I do know that it's factored in with there's tackles, how many of your defensive tackles and everything, and then defensive snaps. I'm sure the weighting changes a bit, but I mean, they lose Jack Campbell, who is, you know, their all star linebacker. We're talking about Iowa too much, but they lose a lot, not to get into their defense. The third lowest returning production in the Big Ten, Minnesota at number 87 in the country, 58%. And the fourth lowest is Illinois. So when you do look across the Big Ten West uh, and then produce down there at nine, it's like, again, it's always ripe for the taking because it's the West, but this year especially, man, depending on how all the quarterback stuff shapes out and whether Sims is good or whether Card's good and McNamara, if he's any good, what Illinois does, aside from all that, Wisconsin is well-positioned where we sit today. We'll say that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, we, again, will be live Thursday, Monks and Sun Prairie, 5 to 6. Come out say hello. Listen to the podcast. Because you all are listening on podcast right now, I urge you, please leave a review, subscribe, follow the show on Twitter. It's where a lot of the polls and stuff get posted. And then listen to the camp and the swing with Zach and Jesse as well. Great podcast. Before we get out of here, a couple minutes. I just wanted to get something off my chest about Greg Gard. If I may. So you might go for it. We we spoke after the uh recent loss. I forget which one. They're all mushed in my brain. We kind of did the whole Greg Guard, what's happening conversation. And I wanted to do it because we hadn't talked basketball a lot or we hadn't done it day to day like we do football. Where when they lose, and it happens on Twitter, it happens with callers into our shows. It happens everywhere. It happens with other shows elsewhere, where you see clips posted or polls or whatever. Every single time the team loses a freaking game, great guards fired. Oh, he stinks. Look at everything that's happened in the past. Everything's horrible. Let's forget about all the good that happened last year. And oh, he didn't coach well last year. Johnny Davis was just good. it And I, I know there's all this there's always been this vitriol towards him, but with them struggling, They lose the game to Northwestern. Oh, look, look, he's a terrible coach. They lost Northwestern. And it's like, I get it. They lost. It stinks. The team can't make free throws anymore, which is weird. And when you are doubling two guys in the post, you need other guys to hit shots to help them. And was the final possessions handled great? I don't know. Like I I disagreed with, I would have liked a little more or at least better execution out of those sets. But overall, it's like, it's the same team that's still struggling. Yet people act as if it's another complete fall off the cliff. Greg Gard stinks moment after every loss. I, I sit back and it's like that's the same team I've been watching for two weeks. And I would I would love it if they saw a drastic improvement. But it's not as if Greg Gard had the chance to rebolster the roster and go to the portal a week ago. And now it must be different today. That's why I want to put it off to the off season. That's
0: all. All right. You do it. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. I, I, uh I have said, I think I'm I've tired my, of it.
1: I'm tired I'm not, of it in the middle of the season after every loss. I'll say that. And there's. Huh? What? I want to see the, be, I, I want to find the best way to approach this. There was a, there was a poll out there. Who I do bl- go ahead. Who do you blame for Wisconsin's loss to Northwestern? The team. The student section or the old people? And I almost threw my computer through a window. That is all. Um, like, what are we yeah, doing here? Yeah, it's, it's hard to get up and get excited when the team can't make baskets. And this team is struggling. And especially in the paint next to the basket, they have struggled to make said baskets. We'll go to the offseason and we'll talk about how the team can improve and then maybe we'll have these conversations. But it, like, if they lose to whoever the hell they play, Penn State and then Nebraska, everyone's going to say, "Oh, look, you know, Fire Guard, he stinks." Like it's the same team as last week. Can you not enter with expectations of maybe they're not that good? Well, I think
0: when you start the season projected to be ninth, and you rise up to 14th in the country, and then you fall off a cliff, there's going to be this type of the trail. If they had been bad all year, do you think it would be bad as, as bad right now?
1: Yes, because I there's a big I difference be- between football and basketball. And I think it would be as bad because everybody looks at what Luke Fickle's doing at the same time with all the recruiting as the basketball season's going on. And people look at that and they just think, oh, it's the exact same situation. Go hire Luke Fickle in basketball.
0: Yeah, it's not going to happen. But
1: I, oh, well,
0: my bad. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I I have taken on a new, I have turned over a new leaf here, and, and well not done. saying and not saying things are not going to happen after uh, the whole Luke Fickle, I mean, Paul Chris, Jim Leonard situation. I, I I'm no longer saying absolutely, positively will not happen. So thank you. They're different
1: sports. Yeah. Not not only are. is it like. The nature of football, as I've talked about, is there are usually some great candidates in the group of five level. And I don't know as much about basketball coaching movement, but it's a different sport. It, it requires different stuff in recruiting. Basketball recruiting classes are two to three kids. Football's are 20, 25. And then how important the quarterback position is. In basketball, you can have a kid transfer out or to leave the program. And instantly, you're short an entire recruiting class. So this isn't making excuses. It's just saying the sports are so drastically different. So like, yeah, should they apply the same logic of we need to go to the portal and adapt and succeed in the new era of college athletics? Absolutely. But it's not the same as just saying, Oh, Greg guard should just go higher Phil Longo and make the offense move faster.
0: Yeah. I I mean, they, the way that they played last year was the fastest they'd played in, I believe it was like the last 20 seasons. So is um, they had the players to do it, right? Yeah, right. Like, we'll have the player to do it. Yes. Um, that the thing about this um, trying to make this one sport or the other—it's just they're not the same sport, and it's impossible to sit here and say, "Do what happened in football. Just do it. Just do it the same way. Just do it." That's it's. Not going to say it doesn't happen, but they're, they're two different sports, and it's just not going to work the same way. probably
1: the real the one real basketball take I have is that this team probably won't win consistently this season until Tyler Wall plays like Tyler Wall. That's fair
0: that, and I, that's the biggest thing for me right now and I'll, I will also say that Wisconsin was all over the portal this offseason.
1: It it's not missed. like they're. It's just not
0: like they're not trying, yeah. Because it's hard to get guys to come in and be backups from the portal. It's hard to lose a guy like a Ben Carlson and try to replace him with a guy that's better than Ben Carlson that wants to actually play basketball. Um, and, and Bowman, not, and, not and, and to not mention, ha, yeah, well, and vote. I mean, you go and look at what Lauren Bowman is doing. I know he he's not doing he much, but still, literally almost nothing. Um, but I thought no, I saw was, flashes. At, at wisconsin maybe um yeah. but yeah no losing him losing vote losing carlson not chris hodges being ready to play but they tried to add guys in the front court they tried to add multiple guys in the front court and they didn't get it done and so does Greg guard have to own that absolutely but you can't sit here and say he didn't try it, mm-hmm. it, and he's not changing to the way the college basketball is now and he they tried and they're going to try again this offseason. Um, th- that is not a problem for uh, with Greg Gard. He understands what this is about. He understands how this has to play out. They tried. They were unsuccessful. Try again next year. And hopefully have a banner 2024 recruiting class. Because without that, it's going to be extremely, extremely difficult to get things uh, turned around on a consistent basis. You can go to the portal and get like a guy like Max Klesman for a couple of years, but most, most of these guys are going to be one and done. And so you have to be able to still be good in the high school recruiting. And there's so many good guys in this area and in Minnesota, which Greg has had a ton of success recruiting, that have a chance to come here. And if they get them, there's a there's a path pretty quickly to back to being in contention. They just haven't played good basketball lately. I I mean, that's just what it is. Uh, Their best players are not playing well, and you're right. Tyler Wall, without Tyler Wall turning into Tyler Wall from last year, they're not going to play um, great basketball. It's going to be very tough because he's he's just so valuable in so many different ways. And, yes, they can't hit free throws, but there's so much more to this that um, just isn't working the way it was at the beginning of the year and the way it worked at times last year. So there we are.
1: I, in the past, I've been a guard critic even, and I'll end with this. I, I've even been someone that hasn't been as on board as others at times. Yeah, I mean, you you
0: call for him all to be of fired this a has. Ago. What? You call for him to be fired a couple of years ago?
1: No, I didn't. Yes, no, you I didn't. did. No, yes, you no, did. No, no, I did not. Yes, you I, did. No, I. There's, there's no chance. I'll go we, back and find the article. We went and, over this. Fired, oh, yes, that was during the tournament when I was uh, a sophomore in college and drunk at a bar. That does not count as a real, uh, you know, that, that wasn't a professional take. I didn't write it. I was just in college. Okay. And unhappy that they lost to Oregon. Okay. But all of this is, it, I, I just like, let's, let's sit back. It's not football. In football, you need to fire coaches and hire coaches to, to bring a new recruiting class in. It's not the same crazy timeline in basketball. So that is all. Hopefully yep. they can make free throws. Uh, Hopefully. did Was it Joel Stave, the, the Stave yips, if you will?
0: There's a better example of it with Ryan Evans uh, in okay. basketball from 10 years ago who was a mid-70s, maybe in an 80s uh, free throw shooter just stopped being able to make them his senior year, and so he started shooting jump shots at the free throw line it it didn't I don't work mean much to better laugh, but it didn't wow. work much better but then after that he went to went and played overseas and all of a sudden he was great a great free throw shooter again
1: oh, it, oh yeah it just
0: okay it just happens it just so happens maybe... and so uh, like stephen craven i know it wasn't a huge sample size last, or a huge number of them last year i think he shot 45 but he shot 80% he was shooting i think 67% through the first uh nine games or something like that and like the last 12 no, since they went back into Big Ten play, he's at like forty-three. It's insane. And Tyler Wall, the same thing. I mean, He was at in the seventies last year, seventies to start this year, and just been absolute garbage uh, in Big Ten play. And Max Klesman, the same way. Even Connor Asiedu missing the front end of a one and one the other night that could have uh, tied the game or even taken the lead. That's that's the guy that you count on. And even he's not making him in clutch situations. So I think the only one that has really made it in clutch situations continuously is Chucky. And even that, he's like at 75% for um, for conference play. It's it's bad. And they have not been horribly bad like this since uh, Ethan Happ was shooting most of the free throws.
1: Oh, and usually, I
0: remember that. I was arguing usually you they could, should have
1: started to bench Happ at the end of games. He was their only yeah. good player. And I was like, Yo, yeah, he, he just can't be out there.
0: It's the worst free yeah, throw that,
1: shooter I've ever seen.
0: That was the team and the funny thing and and I'm sure it's the same way in practice now. We don't get to see practice, but as, as back then we got to see some practices and his free throw shooting was perfect in practice. Didn't miss. So um, that's just the way it is in practice. But yeah, they were in the three hundreds, three hundred and twenty something. That's kind of where they're at right now. And that was that twenty nineteen team that lost to Oregon in the in the tournament.
1: I think Tyler Wall is taking the Pedro Martinez approach here. I saw his quote. He said, well, if you just go up to the line and don't care, then I guess eventually they'll go in about the pressure and stuff, just going and saying, oh, I'm just going to shoot it and try to play more loose that way. That's like Pedro Martinez, 2003, I think, ALCS, with the Red Sox, goes into New York. He goes, something, you know, stick to my heart and call the Yankees my daddies. And then (laughs) the rest is history. And then he balled out. Maybe it was 2004. I anyway, wasn't
0: expecting a, a Pedro Martinez reference here. Oh,
1: love Pedro from a,
0: from a Philadelphia guy, no less.
1: Uh, my dad's a Sox fan. I've no. been, yeah i I was raised to like Pedro. All right, gotcha. That's gonna do it. Uh, any any other closing notes? Any uh, news? any uh, pieces um, on on the agenda?
0: No, but I think. So they, their complete coaching staff is in, it's all done, right? Coaching staff all put together. I think we may be hearing from those guys soon. Cool. So we'll have some more information to talk about. I think when we uh, have our show next Tuesday.
1: Awesome. And we will be live Thursday, five to six at Monk's Bar and Grill. We will talk about whatever's happening. Cause there are always things that are happening. Mostly oh, related to the football program. Well, so. or
0: we're gonna be talking about firing a great guard again uh, after Wednesday night.
1: got
0: <sighs> so that going for you too.
1: We're not gonna do it. I, I might right. talk about I might talk about the talk about the firing of Greg Guard. Or talk, talk about, about the, the talk t- about and and you could go on and on. So Okay. All right. All right. Zach, been a pleasure. Talk to you Thursday. Right. See ya.